Welcome to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur driven by your faith or want to be driven by your faith, then you're in the right place. The best way to stay connected with us is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. This podcast doesn't exist without you, our community, and we would love the opportunity to connect with you in person. One way to do that is to join us in Dallas this September 24th through the 25th at the National Faith Driven Entrepreneur Conference at Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. We'll be recording live episodes and joined by friends like Andy Crouch, Phil Vischer, and the leaders of this movement. Go to our website to register. While you're there, please send us any thoughts you have about how this podcast might better serve you or any questions you might have about being a faith-driven entrepreneur. Our vision is to build a global community of Christian women in the workplace. Why? So that we can help them reach their God-given potential with confidence. And we do it three ways. We do it with our digital community, local groups, and our mentor program. Hey, everybody, it's the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Rusty. Trust you're having a fantastic day. I hope it even gets better when you hear our interview with Diane Pattison. Diane is the founder and president of Forward. That's the numeral four and then the word word, W-O-R-D, squished together. There's actually a term, I think, for what that is when you squish words together, but I have no idea. Suffice to say, it's Forward is the name of the organization. And Diane is a leading advocate for the professional Christian women's community. She is a Harvard MBA grad, the former global executive of two Fortune 500 companies and one Fortune 1000 company. She serves as an independent director for two corporations and four not-for-profits. Diane Pattison is the real deal. She's also an author of a very cool book that she's going to talk about. We just loved getting to talk with her and getting to know her and the organization and hear the incredible things they're doing to mentor businesswomen in the marketplace. So listen in now to learn about the work she does at Forward and also why women mentorship really matters. Diane, welcome to the show. We're very happy to have you on. Thank you. It's awesome to be on. Yeah, it's a special thing for us. We're going to be talking about something that we probably should talk about a lot more. We've had some people like Liz Bohannon, who've been a part of your ministry and a good friend of yours and ours on the show, of course. But looking into the subject of female women-led entrepreneurship is super important. It's not talked about enough. And you're obviously a subject matter expert. And so we're looking forward to having you on the podcast, of course. But before we get too much further, who are you and where do you come from? Well, I always say I'm a farm girl from Oregon, and I was just blessed to be raised by believing parents who gave me a lot of confidence and responsibility at a young age. And I had a chance to work on a family business with my dad and go on to undergraduate school in Oregon and then ended up at Harvard Business School, which is sort of what opened my world up to the work I was able to do in the commercial real estate industry. And I'm married and I have four children and I have a grandbaby now. So life is very full and fantastic. Good. So you're on the show for a couple of different reasons, but the main one I think is about your relationship and your work that you've done with Forward. Tell us about Forward and tell us about what drove you to starting it and your leadership there. Yeah. Well, great question. You know, it was really three key things that drove me to start forward. 
So the first was I was blessed to have been on the global executive teams of two Fortune 500 companies and one Fortune 1000, Trammell Crow, CBRE, and Prologis. And in all three cases, I was the only woman on the global executive team. And there were 10, there were 14, and there were six. So, you know, there were a lot of opportunities for women to be in the room. And I just felt like, you know, there was something wrong with that picture. Um, Second, you know, as I led a global business for CBRE, it was a $600 million business. I had 4,500 employees. When I had the opportunity to bring a new account team onto my largest global account, I noticed that no women were applying. And that concerned me because my second largest account was led by a woman named Lisa, who was doing a fantastic job. So I went to Lisa and said, Lisa, why are you not applying for this opportunity? And she seriously looked at me and said, Diane, do you really think I could do that job? And I thought, confidence. There is an issue with confidence. And then the third is I thought, am I the only one that feels this way? So I went to the 2010 census data, and there were three huge swings that happened in my lifetime. So one is the percent of women with children under 18 that were in the workforce went from 47% to 72%. So 72% of women with children under 18 are in the workplace today. The second is 40% of families, the woman is the primary breadwinner. And that went from 11 to 40% in my lifetime. And then the last, which a lot of you know this, just off the tip of your finger, is that college degrees in 1975, 6% went to women, and today over 60%. And so with those statistics, I thought, you know what, we're not going to turn back. I mean, women are in the workplace. And I saw this issue of confidence, and I knew that someone needed to help women and men see that they needed to have women in that executive room with them. And so I started looking. Who can I help bring this together, which was based on faith as a foundation, relationships as a priority, and work as a place where you can use your God-given gifts to serve others. And when I looked, there were 1,200 marketplace ministries led by men for men and women. And there were, I'll ask you guys the question, how many organizations were led by women for women in 2009 beyond one city that were marketplace ministries. Five. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say one. I'm going to say. They're actually zero. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to say, wait last, you wait last. You know what? I was ready to say zero. I was so ready to say zero. Well, no, no, no. I I wouldn't have said zero. I wouldn't have said zero. That's it. I I was closest, but I still lost in the price. That's right. I went over. (laughs) 
Well, sorry, I jumped the gun on you. But basically, I took all this and went to see Bob Buford, which I'm sure all of you have heard of Bob Buford, who has now passed away. But he was really my mentor in the not-for-profit space. And I shared this story with Bob. And Bob basically looked at me and said, hey, Diane, I know you can build organizations and you've got to do this. But you've got to write a book. And that's when I said to Bob, that will be a total miracle because I hate to write. And he said, I'll help you with that, which he did and introduced me to the editor of the division of HarperCollins that published Work, Love, Pray and to a ghostwriter. And so it was sort of off to the races in 2009 and we launched in 2011. And our vision is to build a global community of Christian women in the workplace. Why? So that we can help them reach their God-given potential with confidence. And we do it three ways. We do it with our digital community, local groups, and our mentor program. And so we launched in 2011 with one of everything I just described. And today we have 160,000 women that come to our digital community as a unique visitor in 2019. We have local groups in 26 cities with three affiliates. And then we've had 492 pairs of mentees and mentors go through our mentor program. So it's just been amazing to see how God's blessed this ministry. And, you know, obviously it was a startup and we're talking about faith-driven entrepreneurs that are women. So I'm one of those. And we have a lot of women involved with Forward that are entrepreneurs. That's great. I mean, one of the things I'm interested in uh, is the mentorship aspect. I feel like, I don't know if it's the rise of the internet and social media or, you know, whatever it is. But I feel like when I talk to older people, my father and others, just everyone had mentors, you know, everyone had someone that really invested them. And I feel like that's, that's less and less prevalent today. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and specifically why mentorship you feel like is important to Christian women in and throughout the workplace. Yeah. Well, great question. So a study was done by Harvard Business Review Catalyst and the Center for Work-Life Balance. And these were three separate studies that were done, but they both came to the same conclusion that you held everything else constant, education, economic background, et cetera, et cetera. What were the drivers of professional success? And the two key drivers for men and women were your network and if you had mentors and or sponsors in your life. So first of all, the research just proves how important it is because it was a huge determinant of professional success. But then you say, okay, so what about in the faith-based world? Well, the Bible has so many examples, right? You've got Paul, who's a mentor to Timothy, and he's raising him up to become a leader. You've got Elizabeth, who mentored Mary, who, you know, was birthing, you know, our Savior. And then you have Jesus, the man that affected 
the largest number of people in the world of anyone. And he focused on 12 that he mentored. So, you know, I think it's so obvious how important mentoring is, but there's also research that points to how critical it is to help you through the different seasons of life. And then one last follow-up question. If you have a little bit more, what does mentorship mean to you? You know, it's a word I feel like gets throws around uh, a good bit as well. And, you know, it means different things to different people, and that's not necessarily wrong. But within Forward, within what you are trying to build, uh, what does that look like or, or feel like from your perspective? Yeah, good question. You know, when we train our mentors, we basically tell them their job is actually very simple. You know, they need to do three key things. Number one, they need to be great listeners so that they are just hearing what the mentee is dealing with or the questions they have and being very focused so that they can really let the Holy Spirit speak to them as they're working with a mentee. Second, we ask them to share options. You know, a lot of times the mentors have been through lots of different seasons of life. And so there may be options that they're able to share that the mentee hasn't thought about. And then last of all, we tell them that they're there to help a mentee with blind spots. So they just may not see that they might think something is a strength and a match to a job, but, you know, the mentor has the opportunity to ask them questions and really help them with their blind spots. So, you know, we really say those are the three key things we want our mentors to do. And what we find is because our mentor program is faith-based and we have a structure around it. So there are goals around your spiritual, your relational, and your professional that we find our mentor pairs get very deep, very fast because of the trust they have with each other, because of their common belief as Christians. Diane, you mentioned the book that you wrote, Work, Love, and Pray, and I particularly love the subtitle that goes with it, and I'll read it here for our listeners. Practical Advice for Professional Christian Women and Those Who Want to Understand Them. So I think the second half of that was written to Henry and William and I. Um, you know, so so I, think, I think, you know, we have a lot of both of those groups listening in today. So can you share with our listeners and give us a better insight into, you know, what's the state of being a woman in business and particularly in entrepreneurship, right? Because entrepreneurs, I think, you know, by any measure would say that we tend to probably spend more time working, take on greater burden about our business than maybe if we set at some, you know, place in the hierarchy of a big company or corporation. What's been your experience in working with women entrepreneurs? And and then maybe also address, I think, something for all of our listeners, because we spend time on the podcast talking about outside of work. We talk about family and the importance of family. How do entrepreneurs balance the family side as well and still reach their professional goals and their ambitions? Yeah, those are great questions. Well, It was really interesting when I knew what we were going to talk about today. I did a little bit of research and I have to tell you, I was actually flabbergasted because, you know, I looked at 
what is happening on the financial side. And when I looked at the percent of money, venture capital, that goes to women versus men, and then you go to multicultural women, it's even more horrible. So basically 2% of venture capital money in 2017 went to women. So I've done this startup and I've had to raise money to do this startup. And I know that it's been hard, but God has totally blessed it and provided. But I can't imagine being a young entrepreneur who hasn't had the business experience and even the hard knocks that I've had, you know, because obviously being in commercial real estate, all my answers weren't yes. There were a lot of no's and I learned how to deal with no's and get over no's and move forward. But I can't imagine a young entrepreneur who hasn't had that, what she has to deal with around the fundraising side, which is so critical for startups. And then, as you mentioned, and I mentioned a little bit earlier in the studies that were done, again, it's hard for women to find women mentors, especially faith-based mentors. And I think that's why our mentor program has been such a huge success. And also just networking and It was interesting. You all know Liz Bohanna and I was with her Saturday and we were talking about this topic and she just mentioned things like, you know, how many times she feels left out because the guys are going to golf. You know, so this network thing is very hard, too. So, you know, I would just say that probably a lot of the things that I dealt with in the corporate world are still there in a major way. I mean, you look at the numbers and, you know, it's like 16% of board seats today are held by women. So there's been some progress, but not a lot of progress. And I'm sure when you add in this fundraising side, that's even tougher to deal with. And then to your question at the end around family, You know, the one thing I do see, and I'll just use Liz and Ben Bohannon and my son, he and his wife, Laura, she is one of Joanna Gaines' three designers. And, you know, they really, I see Ben, I see my son, they share a lot in the caregiving and in the work around the home, which I think is different than my generation. So I just applaud the younger men. So I'm sure you're all younger than me. So I applaud you because having a partner in marriage who is helping you with that. And I'm blessed that Chris is exactly that way for me, or we couldn't have had two careers and four children. It just puts another stress on a woman if there isn't that sort of equal sharing of not only raising your children and running a home, but sometimes it's also caring for elderly parents. So there's just a lot of other things in life. And to just be sure that you're giving your family the time that they deserve, especially as you are building something that you're probably just in love with and you love what you do, but you've got to be able to put it down because there's people in your life that are going to be really important to you forever and not just that year when you're getting your company started. Diane, I'm fascinated by this. 
when I think back about my entrepreneurial journey, I think about how much time I need to spend on the road. And yet frequent listeners of podcasts will understand I always put faith and then family before work. And yet the reality was, is that I wasn't at home all the time. And of course, during the day hours when our kids were home, Kimberly was a primary caregiver and our boys never would have been able to thrive without that. And I wonder how that dynamic works for female entrepreneurs where it wasn't hard for us in our context because American society is focused on the male breadwinner. And so I didn't feel any type of real stress about that. I mean, we work through things and we balance things and there's some different times that I'd watch the kids and things like that. But by and large, that burden fell primarily to her during the day hours. For a female entrepreneur that has to kind of go against the stream, upstream a little bit, if you will, with the way that the rest of society thinks, maybe even that their husband thinks, I would imagine that that would be a stressor that would be on top of all the other stresses that entrepreneurs have to face. And how do you counsel female entrepreneurs to be able to have those types of conversations with their husband and just be able to navigate through that? And maybe I shouldn't presume that that is a harder conversation to have happen between a female entrepreneur and her husband around caregiving. But maybe it is. I bet it is. How do you work with women entrepreneurs that are trying to figure out how do I balance the need to make sure my kids are taken care of? And how do I even have a language to approach my husband with this is what I feel called to do. I really want to do it. And how do we figure this out? And part of that may be you taking more of the child responsibilities. That's an interesting relational dynamic. Can you just speak into that a little bit? Yeah. So I talk about this a little bit in Work, Love, Pray and the chapter 13 when I say when you're both wearing the pants. So if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you really need to find a spouse that respects what you feel God has called you to do and how you've been gifted just as much as you respect him. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times it's about even who you choose to marry. And there's a lot of great counseling that can be done before you get married to make sure that's fair, because you don't want to go into a relationship when someone doesn't have that open-mindedness and that teammate attitude to, you know, we're going to do this together. And, you know, I'll just share in our life, there was a time where Chris needed to throttle back and spend more time working out of our home. We're a blended family and his children had lost their mom. And we just agreed that he needed to leave his traveling job with McKinsey Consulting and do his venture capital or consulting of our home until we felt like they were okay. And then once we got to a stage where I was blessed that I could be the primary breadwinner in our family. And then, you know, things have shifted, right? Today, I'm running a not-for-profit. I don't charge the not-for-profit anything for a salary. I serve on a couple corporate boards, so that's great. But Chris is really the primary breadwinner in our family. So I think, you know, I tell a lot of our younger women you know, there's going to be different seasons. And the whole thing is, is that you just have this communication and this attitude and you're praying through the challenges together because that's what's going to get you there. And that's why I love the mentor program so much is because even though we have a certain structure and we can talk about that later, 
so I won't go into that now. 80% of our almost 500 pairs who have been through our program are still in touch with each other. So having that woman that can really be there for you when you have those questions and really support you through those times is very, very helpful. So I hope that answered your question. It did. It did. Thank you. I think that you brought up a new topic that I don't think that we've ever addressed on this show over as many podcast episodes as we've done, which is what this means towards picking your partner. I think it goes both ways. I think that as a man has an entrepreneurial ambition, being able to think through what that calling might be and having a supportive fiance and then supporting wife is important. And your suggestion is, of course, that it works the reverse way as well. And that that this works best when somebody enters into that very committed relationship where they are supportive of the calling that the wife and the mother might have, that that's super important and provides a really great framework for the young women out there that believe that they've been called or fascinated about innovating and creating see themselves as an entrepreneur, being able to have that discussion with their potential spouse early on is important. And then it goes vice versa, right? So if my wife, for instance, had anticipated that I was going to have a nine to five job at an IBM, she would have been sorely disappointed when we ended up getting married. And so that type of premarital conversation is important for both sexes. And yet we've never talked about that. We've never talked about that on this show about what does it look like to get married knowing that you're an entrepreneur at heart? Yeah. And I have to share this little story that Ben Bohannon probably didn't even realize when my husband, Chris, and I were with Liz and Ben Bohannon, who I should say are the founders of Seiko Design. But we were having tea together in Portland, and we had met a little after four o'clock. And when five o'clock hit, it was Ben, not Liz, that said, oops, guys, you know, childcare doesn't stay later we've got to go. And it wasn't Liz that said that, it was Ben. So, you know, it's just great to see when couples are sharing different roles and they're able to switch back and forth, you know, and just be a team and be flexible because obviously as an entrepreneur, you've got to be flexible and you've got to have sort of that long-term goal of, you know, number one, we're here to serve God and serve others. Number two, we're here to serve each other as a marriage partner. And number three, yes, we want to have this business flourish. We want it to support our family. And we also want it to support our employees, families, et cetera. But you sort of have to have a very long-term vision of that versus what's happening on a daily basis. Dan, I have uh, one more question I'm just interested in. So, you know, it was about, I guess, 10 or 11 years ago now that you noticed a big gap in the market in women marketplace ministries, and you've been attacking that since. I'm just interested, as you continue to pour into that space, are there any other gaps in the market, or is this still a giant one that you're still pursuing, or just how can we best look at uh, this growing market as you so compellingly laid out the stats and, and be an advocate and be a help uh, for Christian women continuing to come together and, and grow and understand their calling in the workplace? Yeah. Great question. You know, my long-term goal is we don't need forward anymore, but I'll tell you, it's a huge gap. And I'll just be very honest. A lot of our women feel most like they may not be doing the right thing when they're at their church. They feel like 
most churches are advocating that if they're in the workplace, that's not what God has called women to do. And they feel it from people within their church, and we hear it all the time. I mean, our number one comment we get is, I have finally met my tribe, women who encourage and inspire me to use the gifts God has given me in the workplace rather than me feeling guilty about it. So I would just tell you it's a huge, huge gap. I've talked to elders of huge churches that have told me they don't have any women in their church that are in the workplace. Um, Seriously. So it's a huge issue. Yeah. Huge church. I won't say the name. A lot of you know it. So it's just like, there's not an awareness. There's not an understanding of, I mean, just think of the lives that Liz Bohannon has touched by having the ability to build a company that has given a new life to 136 women who have actually had the chance to go to university. And those women are now talking with all the women in that section of Kampala, and they now believe that there's something beyond what they thought was there for them before. So there's such a need to really help not only workplaces, families, but churches in a major way have a viewpoint that really inspires and encourage women when they're gifted in this way and when they feel called to do this. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing. And as we do come to a close here on the podcast, we always love to ask our guest, and we'd love to ask you just kind of what journey God might have you on right now, what journey through his word to continue to be living and teach us new things. It could be a, a word of scripture or a, or a passage that maybe you're in today. It could be your devotional. It could be what God led you to this morning. It could be a season that you're meditating on something. Just We always marvel at how God connects our guests with our listeners with his word. And just if we could invite you into that, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, thank you for that question. I'll tell you, God's always teaching me, right? And uh, it seems like daily I learn, and my husband and I do the version Bible study, um, Bible in a year, every year. So we're probably in our seventh or eighth year. And, you know, I thought back when I knew you were going to ask me this question, you know, what are the key things that God is teaching me now? And I think, you know, number one is, what do I do to fulfill my potential? And Matthew twelve forty six to thirteen seventeen is all about pursuing intimacy with Christ. And, you know, I think that's the key for me is just putting down roots and making those roots go deeper and deeper so that everything I do is really led by the Holy Spirit and by following the Word of God in the decisions that I make each day. So I think, you know, fulfilling my potential, and that's by pursuing intimacy with Christ. And then you can imagine, I'm a type A. (laughs) I'm an achiever. But, you know, I need to sometimes just let God be God. And it was great to just read Psalm 9, 1 through 12, 
which really talks about the sovereignty of God and believing that he will never forsake us and that he's given me great gifts that I need to use responsibly and work hard. But I also need to remember that God is sovereign through it all. And sometimes it's better if I put it down and let God take over. So those two, I would say, are where I am right now, especially as Ford is exploding. I brought in a COO. She's phenomenal. She's given me life again. I just brought in a CFO who is just phenomenal. And now I need to bring in a development director. But just allowing me to move to that role where I'm really where I should be and let other people take care of a lot of what's going on so that we can just continue to reach women in the workplace in a way they've never felt community before. So um, those two things are what God is teaching me now is how to reach that potential and just let God be God. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, spending time with us. I know you're on the road right now and for carving time out of your day to spend with us, to spend with our listeners is just a a true gift and a pleasure and and a blessing. And so thank you so much for sharing what God's doing through you and through forward as you continue to try to be faithfully obedient to him. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. Thank you, Henry, William, and Rusty. It's really an honor. I really appreciate it. Justin and I have been friends for years, so it's really fun to have that connection again. And I just say to all of your listeners, the entrepreneurs, I just wish you the best and just keep your eyes on God and I know he'll take care of you. Well, you know, we love to spotlight a ministry that is locking arms with faith-driven entrepreneurs. And this week, we're going to spotlight our friends Scott Weiss and Luke Dooley at Ocean. They have a vision to ensure every entrepreneur has access to tools, resources, and community that will holistically equip them to bravely step out, do the work that they're called to do, and positively impact the world. One of the ways they do that each year is through an annual Ocean Faith Plus Entrepreneurship Conference. We'd encourage you to check that out and the list of top 25 events for faith-driven entrepreneurs to see how you can get engaged. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. We are very grateful for the opportunity to serve you, the larger faith-driven entrepreneur community, and we want to stay connected. The best way for you to do that is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. And while you're there, we want to hear from you. We derive great joy from interacting with many of you. And it's been very rewarding to see people come to the site and listen to the podcast now from more than over 100 countries. But it's even more important to us that you feel like this is your show and that you'll help make it something that best equips you on your entrepreneurial journey, one that you're proud of and one that you're going to share with others. Hey, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from many of our friends, executive producer Justin Foreman and program director Johnny Wills. Music is by Carl Kegwell. You can see and hear more of his work at summerdregs.com. Audio and editing by Richard Barley of Cornerstone Church in San Francisco.